welcome into another episode of ESPN's Hoops Podcast. My name's Kane Pittman, and we have got two guests on today's show, and this is all to do with the Las Vegas Summer League happening right now. And we're all sitting back if you're a basketball fan watching on the couch, or if you're my colleague, Olga Ulrich, you're over there in Las Vegas, putting in plenty of fine work for ESPN.com.au. So there's lots of action happening in Las Vegas. We're going to be joined by Fleur McIntyre, who is an assistant coach with the Sydney Kings. Now, a guest coach with the San Antonio Spurs during Summer League, which is interesting for a number of reasons, but none more so than Fleur is getting caught up in Wemby Mania over there in the US. The number one overall pick, Victor Wembenyama, has been stealing all the headlines, particularly with a dominant game against the Portland Trailblazers. So we'll find out everything going on with Fleur and the San Antonio Spurs over this period here. And then Dwight Breath is going to join me, a bronze medalist with the Boomers, and now playing with the Portland Trailblazers, and has been putting in work with that franchise. And Dwight Breath is an interesting player to watch for me. He is scoring in double digits. He's just a tick under 10 rebounds per game through three appearances with the Blazers. So he's been putting up nice numbers coming off the bench, but getting around 20 minutes per game. And Dwight Breath is in a fascinating position for me. Uh, soon to be 27, Entering the prime of his career, we've seen him have dominant stretches in the NBL. Last season, he did play in China as well. So a little bit off the radar before that, he spent a lot of time in Europe. So perhaps not the most well-known Australian star basketball player, but he has looked very, very nice in Summer League. And I think based on what we've seen over the last few years with NBA teams, an example that I would point to would be Jock Landau, you can go into the NBA as at an advanced age and play a role for a team. And to what breathe, what we've seen, not only at Summer League, but across the last few years as a pro, to me, does strike me as someone that if an NBA team wanted to give him a shot, perhaps needed a backup big man, he would be a really solid option. And uh, by the way, he's doing himself at no harm before he returns to Australia in about a week's time. Uh, for Boomers Camp. So I'm going to ask what Breath about his time with the Blazers. We're going to talk about the Boomers as well, including a man who just signed a very nice deal with the Portland Trail Blazers in the NBA. That's Matisse Thibel. So a fun chat with Fleur McIntyre and Dewalt Breath. They're both coming up in just a little bit here. But a couple of other quick notes I wanted to get to from Summer League. I've just finished watching Dyson Daniels in his third appearance in Summer League, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, beating the Phoenix Suns, 82-73. I caught up with Dyson Daniels going back a couple of months ago now at his home when he was in Australia. And one of the comments he made to me that I loved was his uh, importance he was placing on playing in Summer League this season. And it's not always the case, particularly for top 10 draft picks that have played legitimate minutes in the NBA as Dyson did last year there might be a resistance to go to Summer League. But Dyson was committed. He understood that, yes, he proved himself from a defensive standpoint last year on a team that was looking to really push and make the postseason. Uh, but he's a guy that still believes and is looking forward to showing what he can do on the offensive end. Now, uh, through three games so far, he hasn't quite been able to find the outside shot, two for 16 uh, from three-point land. But I wouldn't worry about that too much. What you are seeing with Dyson is a guy that has the ball in his hands and is getting opportunities to try and score. So he is up uh, averaging around 14 shot attempts per game through three games with the Pelican Summer League squad. Uh, last year, 
His high mark for shot attempts in a game in the NBA was only nine. His usage percentage was in the 17th percentile. So he wasn't tasked with the idea of having the ball in his hands and creating offense. We've seen a lot of that from him throughout summer league so far. He's tallied 19 assists across three games. There has been some really pretty lobs. There's been some drives and dish. There's been some drive and dump offs to guys underneath the basket. So Daniels told me that he was very optimistic about being able to show what he can do on the offensive side of the ball and continue to expand that role as we hope that he continues to get minutes. But I think, again, for a top 10 pick for a second-year guy, he doesn't need to go out there and completely dominate Summer League for the entire 40 minutes of every game because I don't think that the basketball in Vegas is necessarily conducive to a guy like Daniels that plays the right way. And he will play team basketball. He's going to defend. He's been disruptive on that end. But we've all watched enough Summer League basketball to understand that it's scrappy. It's not always the perfect team basketball. So Daniels, to me, just by showing moments of dominance on both ends of the floor, a huge tick and a very big reason to be excited about what he can produce over the next couple of months with the Boomers, but also... Uh, moving forward to year two with the New Orleans Pelicans. Joe Ingles, we've heard from him talking to NBL media a little bit over the last couple of days as he settles into the idea of being a player with the Orlando Magic. And we discussed Ingles and Orlando last week on this podcast when I was joined by Olds uh, back here in Melbourne. But just as I work through the idea of Joe Ingles and Orlando a little bit more, and I look through the numbers and I think, why would the Orlando Magic cover a player like Joe Ingles? Obviously, a really quality player at the level. But the Magic ranked 26th in half-court offense last year. They were 26 in three-point percentage last year as well on overall offensive efficiency. You guessed it, 26th. And they're very young. And there are guys that play the three and the four where I believe at this point in time, that's Joe Ingles' best position to play, whether it's Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, a number of really talented guys. But I think Ingles can fit on this Orlando Magic roster, and I think he can bring some stability and some functionality to a half-court offense that has been uh, really, really poor over the last few seasons. So the fit for Joe Ingles in Orlando does make a lot of sense uh, to me, I have to say. And then Patty Mills, we discussed that he might not stay in Oklahoma City. That's uh, what we mentioned last week on the podcast. That is the case. He's since been traded to Atlanta, and we'll see whether this ends up being the final landing spot for Patty, because I think the $6.8 million salary, it's worth noting that not only is that expiring, but in most cases, if you have those mid-level salaries to me around the $6 million to $12 million range, uh, that is a very nice chunk of money that can be added in various trades, whether it's a two-for-one or three-for-one, where teams can uh, put these salaries together to get themselves to a nice landing spot to potentially attract a, a high, higher salaried player across the NBA as well. So we'll wait and see. But Patty, as we referenced, still a very efficient scorer at the level when he got his chances last year in the NBA. And I just believe he's going to be a coveted player if it's not in Atlanta, wherever it may be this season. And by the way, if I was the Hawks though, I would just hang out and watch the FIBA World Cup because if what we've seen in the past from Patty holds true, uh, he's going to have a very, very nice tournament. He's still going to be the leading scoring option for this team. He's the number one shot creator in this Boomer squad, clearly for me. So I think you might get through the World Cup. Hopefully the Boomers have a strong campaign. Patty looks like FIBA Patty, 
And uh, the Hawks might say, hey, we need this man on our roster. So no doubt he's going to provide value to an NBA team. Where that is, uh, we'll continue to sit back and watch on Paddy Mills. But so many good things happening for the Australians in Summer League. Continue to keep up to date with all the scores, news, stats, analysis on ESPN.com.au. But that's just some thoughts from me as I sit on the couch and watch these games over the last few days. But now let's get to Fleur McIntyre and Dewatt Breath. Let's tip things off with Fleur. It's always a pleasure to have some time with Fleur McIntyre, who right now is as busy as anyone in Australian basketball because you're on the San Antonio Spurs staff, and I think this is the perfect place to start. Uh, how does an opportunity like this come about once the NBL season is done? Well, it was something that was mentioned at the end of the NBL season. Um, very kindly, R.C. Buford was in the building for Game 5, and a passing comment on the floor where we were celebrating the NBL championship was... How would you like to come coach for the Spurs in the summer? And I sort of said, that sounds great. Laughed it off thinking it was, you know, a bit of a throwaway comment. And then a few weeks ago, I got some messages from uh, the Spurs organization about coming over and being a guest coach and um, ended up, first of all, I thought it was a prank. And I ended up speaking to Matt Nielsen and he assured me that, no, it wasn't a prank. I was being invited to come as a guest coach uh, to the Spurs if for NBA Summer League. So that's how it all sort of evolved from there. But yeah, I feel very lucky that I've been in the orbit of, you know, the Sydney Kings and connected with Chase and RC and, you know, Matt Nielsen as well to be given this opportunity to come over and be part of the Spurs this summer. Yeah. And you mentioned a guest coach, but uh, I already said this to you. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm watching the Spurs game like everyone is. And we'll get to that in just a second. But you're in the front of the bench. So what does the in-game role look like for you as you're learning? But are you... Uh, coaching i know that's a silly thing to say but what does the game day role look like so it's actually amazing um every single guest coach that is with the spurs this summer has the opportunity to sit on the front of the bench for a game so uh adam ford had the first game at summer league and then i had yesterday's game so it's actually kind of nice Nelly's actually really really kind in that he just says just watch you know if you see anything let me know um we have a whole group of guest coaches as well so one of the guest coaches on the front of the bench is listening to them for anything they see and relaying that to the coaches huddle, you know, in timeout. But, um, you know, thankfully I just got to really watch yesterday and offer some advice at different times and uh, listen and learn of what they do at this level. And what are you learning? What are some of the takeaways? I know it's only been a few days. You've got another week over there and there's probably endless things that you can describe, but I imagine being in an organization like San Antonio is a, is a pretty wild experience. It's incredible, Kane. It's um, you can see why they're revered across world sports for their organisation. Um, I think the biggest thing I've taken away is the people and the environment that's created. I think that conceptually and style of play, uh, working with the Kings the last two years and working under Chase has held me in really good stead for that NBA sort of style. And I think the Sydney Kings play a very similar style to what we see over here. So. Um, you know, there's a few different terminology things that are a bit different, but overall, I feel like I'm pretty well prepared for the style of play and what they're doing defensively and offensively. But I think the biggest takeaway, and I was talking to RC about this the other day, is that just the organization, there is a real sense of community, love and care for each other. And I think that you don't always get that in the world of professional sports. And I feel very lucky that I get to work for the Kings and I see a lot of similarities between the Kings and the Spurs, but that's my biggest takeaway in being in this environment that the people they employ, I think are carefully curated to match their, 
the values of this organization. And you can feel that every single day when you walk in the building, when you're around the staff and when you're around the players. And out of all the teams you could have gone to, San Antonio right now, there are more eyes on you guys than anyone else than any other team in the league. The arena's sold out every single time, which is not usual for Las Vegas Summer League. So what about just the the attention on the entire team and and obviously one man, we could get to that, but well, what has that experience been like? It is a circus. It's complete chaos, but they handle it very well and I think they do a very good job of, of making sure that the players are focused on what, what we're trying to achieve at Summer League and how they want to play as the San Antonio Spurs. And I actually think Nelly's done an incredible job. He's such a calm presence for this group of young guys. And I think that he's probably the perfect person to lead this group in, in Summer League. But it has been a complete circus everywhere we go in Vegas, um, particularly for Victor. It is just cameras and people and everyone trying to get a glance. Um, I've never experienced or seen anything like it. And the staff are even commenting the same that, you know, the last few years there's been nothing like this. And now it's a whole new ball game with all this attention heaped on the Spurs. Yeah. You mentioned Victor. I'm not going to ask about what he's doing on the floor. He was dominant yesterday, which was awesome to see uh, after, after the first game where understandably he was a little bit nervous, but I can't wrap my head around. If you're 18, 19, you've got the attention that you were just describing. Uh, how does he handle this? He is such a lovely human being. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that I've, I've noticed about him. He's so graceful. Um, he's so friendly and tries to connect with everyone. All he wants to do is engage with his teammates and the staff and, you know, just be his best version every time he steps out on the floor un, under the brightest of lights and this immense pressure and, you know, people talking about and judging him in 20 minutes of basketball, which for me is just absolutely insane. So he has been such a wonderful uh, person to be around. And, you know, I feel very lucky that not only did I get to be there for his first game and his second game, but I think just to be in his orbit and you actually just see what a great human being he is. Uh, what about the Sydney Kings? This is going to be an interesting uh, off-season. Some of the names that we've been so familiar with watching aren't going to be there. I know that there is uh, plenty of Sydney Kings staff over there in Vegas. Are you on the clock for the Sydney Kings in between your San Antonio duties, or what does it look like? Yeah, I am a little bit. Um, obviously, I've met my mood, and I've spent some time with Chris Pongrass and um, sort of balancing my time with the Spurs and then obviously doing some work for the Kings as well. So, you know, we've made no secret of what we're chasing in this offseason. Obviously, we've had some changes, and um, it's going to be a bit of a new look Sydney Kings next season but that's really exciting I think and hopefully we'll find those two additional guard pieces that we're chasing and be ready for a crack at this three feet. How did you get into coaching Flo? I know you've worked in sports for a very very long time but the role uh, with the Sydney Kings and, and obviously I've been around the team a fair bit the last few years and have just gotten used to seeing you there and it's normal for me but where did this all start? So, I mean, I, I started when I was playing, I guess, from Perth and Western Australia and sort of wanted to give back. I was coaching juniors and um, it. I guess I just went from there. You know, I volunteered for the better part of 20 years in combination with my role as a professor at a university. So uh, when that sort of concluded and I was sort of looking for my next job, obviously it's no secret I had a phone call from Luke Longley and said, do you want to apply for a job with the Sydney Kings? And I said, as what? And he said, assistant coach. So um, it was 
a whirlwind, really. I, I put in my application and then did an interview with Chase and spoke to Chris Pongrass and Paul Smith. And then, yeah, seven days later, I was offered a job as assistant coach of, with the City Kings. So packed up my life and moved to Sydney. So I've been coaching for a long time. I've been in men's basketball for a long time. Um, it's just obviously the last two years, there's been a little bit more spotlight being, you know, the only female coach currently in the NBL. Um, and obviously had some wonderful success. I feel very, very lucky that I've landed at the Kings with unbelievable staff, the greatest of guys that I get to coach. And it's been an unreal ride. Yeah, two titles and now this opportunity as well. Do you think about what the path looks like for you? I'm not sure if that's something you've had time to really think about with uh, the busy times you've gone through. Um, look, I think you're always sort of wondering, you know, what's next. And obviously I've just signed a new contract with the Kings, uh, for two years. So, um, that's my focus at the moment and obviously getting to know my mood and his, um, style of play and how we want to play. So I think that's my immediate focus. I think beyond that, I'm not really sure what the future holds. It's, um, it's been really cool getting this experience and, um, meeting coaches from Europe. There's other guest coaches here from Europe and uh, different leagues all over the world. So just learning a lot about the NBA, but also European basketball. And it certainly does make you wonder what if and what could come next. But I'm sort of open to anything at this stage. Well, it's been a pleasure to uh, obviously watch you coach in the Sydney Kings and all the success you've had. And I'm a little bit selfish and would love for you to stay in the NBL, but uh, clearly... Uh, you're on the path that's uh, hopefully bigger things and, and better things still to come for you. Thanks so much, Kane. It's, uh, I feel, you know, very blessed that I get to be with the Sydney Kings and that's where my heart is right now. And all I'm focused on is seeing if we can get it done for a third time in a row. Yeah, maybe a summer league title as well. But it's good luck with the rest of the week with <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs and we'll see you back in Sydney. Thanks, Kane. It's always good to catch up with this man, a bronze medalist, and now getting it done with the Portland Trailblazers. Just off the bus, just finished practice, so he is a very busy man and kind enough to give us some time. Dwop, uh, this is a busy time for you, man. How's, uh, how's the body feeling? How's everything going over there in Vegas? It's been good. It's been good. Busy, um, but feeling good. The body's good. Um, the body's feeling good. Um, yeah, everything's going well. Everything's going well. Uh, you've been through this before. You've been to Summer League a, a number of times now, but... Uh, watching you guys from afar, game one, Houston Rockets, there's a, a crazy game winner. Game two, you're playing yeah. the Spurs, which is an absolute circus right now. It mm -hmm. feels like this has been a little bit of a, a different experience for you for someone that's been there before. Yeah, it's just been a lot of um it's been a lot going on, especially uh with the hype that's going on um with Victor. So I think it's just been a lot of energy around around the city. Uh, but yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Uh, it's definitely, it's always a good experience to be here, to be around um, this kind of environment. So it's always been fun. What were you looking for uh, this time as you're trying to figure out where you're going to play and coming back to Summer League? As I mentioned, you already know exactly what it's all about. You know what you're walking into. Uh, what was the situation with Portland and why did that make sense to you to come into this squad? I'm just trying to see um, what I can do to help the team, you know. Uh, I just want to know the role I can play. If I was to play at this level, uh, yeah, I just, again, it's coming in for the experience again. You know, I just want to see if I, um, if I can fit, if I can fit in. So, end of the day, just coming in, just try to do my best, try to play to the best of my ability. Um, yeah, and just leave it, just leave it on the floor. And you've been super efficient so far in through two games of Summer League. You're playing around 20 minutes a night, so you're a really prominent role on this team. How have you seen uh, your own play thus far? Because you've been super efficient, particularly uh, from a scoring perspective on the offensive end. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like my efficiency has been well. Uh, but again, credit goes to my teammates just to get me in the right position. And now where I just got to just finish it, you know? So, um, so I think that helps too. But then again, uh, I think my biggest focus here is just trying to just focus on the defensive role, um, trying to communicate, trying to uh, be as active as I can, and just try to play with a lot of energy, try to crash offensive glass, because I know that if I was to play at this level, uh, my role would, would be just an energy guy, just to try to do the little things, try to help the team win. So it's interesting that you say that because I'm always fascinated by uh, guys that come into summer league and you would have seen it before. Everyone's in a, a different situation. There might be someone that's been drafted, someone that is playing to try and get to the NBA or the next contract. And, and it feels like to me, there would be a lot of a, a lot of pressure associated with that. Uh, how have you learned to approach summer league and perhaps not think about it too much and just go out and play basketball? Yeah, again, I think it's experience. Um, I've, I've did a couple of summer leagues already and now. I think I know just to go in with the mentality of just try to play as hard as you can and um and just leave it on the floor because um once you do that good things usually happen and um yeah so I think that just the experience that I've gained throughout the time has allowed me to learn from um from my mistakes that I've made uh and yeah just again this uh play just playing with uh with the energy and just playing hard I think that was the mentality that I just had throughout the whole throughout the last two couple of games. And so we got very used to a couple of seasons ago now in the NBL watching you every single night and you were over here and, and playing at a really high level. And then if you do go overseas, particularly where you've been, it, it's off the radar a little bit. How uh, did you view your last season and what you were able to get done uh, playing in China? It was great. China was a great experience for me, I think. Um, I just felt like it's a, I was playing a different role over there, whereas uh, the imports there, they got to be... Uh, they're. they're they, they impact the game a little bit more playing over there. So I felt like I had to play uh, a significant role. So I enjoyed doing that. Um, but I felt like it helped me as a player, helped me as a, just let my game grow. So I think that that was really important for me. Um, and I enjoyed it. It's a different culture. Took some time to get used to, but overall, yeah, I got, I got used to it. And and what's next? I know that uh, we see your name out there a lot and everyone is yeah. very interested about what might be the next move. We'll get to the boomers. That's obviously uh, coming up yeah. here in, in just a little bit. But what about uh, next season? Keeping in mind that obviously you're playing right now uh, for potentially a, a spot somewhere. Yeah, definitely. I'm just taking it right now. just taking it a day at a time. I don't really know what's next. Uh, I'm looking at all my options. But um, yeah, I'm just blessed in a situation where I have some options. So... I'm just grateful for that. And um, yeah, just taking it a day at a time, just trying to be the best player that I can be and trying to just put, um, trying to put my best foot forward each day. Uh, so we've seen Matisse Thibel working around Summer League, and this is a man that just yeah. earned himself a whole stack of cash over the last couple of weeks, which we're all excited for. But with the Portland organization, uh, what is the relationship with Matisse? Clearly uh, spent uh, quite a bit of time together going back at the Olympics. Yeah, no, the relationship was really good. Um, we've been close for since since the Olympics, and um, even when I was in China, when I was in Delaware, we were always talking on a regular, um, just checking in on each other. So it's been good. It's always fun um, to have him around. He came here in Vegas, didn't want to tell me. Um, I think he just wanted to surprise me. I text, he texted me, said, asked me if I'm, if I'm going to do summer league this year, and uh, yeah, I told him, yes, I will, and um, I'm in Portland. I told him I'm going to play with Portland. Yeah, and he was he was excited about that, and um, yeah, it was cool. It's cool. It's cool being around him. How have you found that things have changed over the last couple of years for you, based on that experience? Because we hear about it from the outside all the time. 
about the relationships of the Burmese players. And when you go through something that you did and it was historic and the whole country is watching every single minute of every game that you guys played, how have you found uh, the bond with some of those guys uh, like Matisse that has grown? It's been great. It's, a, it's an incredible bond, uh, especially um, just with everybody that experienced uh, that uh, history that we made. I think that everybody's uh, still uh, connected with each other. Everybody still communicates with one another. And um, yeah, it's a special bond. And Brian Gorgian, uh, I'm sure you would have kept in touch with him, but you'll be catching up with him very soon as all you guys uh, come back to Australia. Uh, what is the relationship with Brian Gorgian? Obviously someone that you, you were close with uh, with NBL circles as well, and uh, now uh, potentially about to go into another campaign and create some more history. Yeah, um, relationship with him has always been great ever since I've met him. Um, I think it's just a people's person. He's always checking in on everybody, um, trying to see how everybody's doing, always wants the best for everybody. Um, so, yeah, just having somebody like that in your life is uh, it's really impactful. How are you viewing this training camp? So we discussed it on SportsCenter Australia last week about the different roles and the different spots that are on this team. You were there. You, you're a bronze medalist, but you look at yeah. uh, the last squad and there was yourself, there was Aaron Baines, there was Jock Landau. There was three centers in the squad of 12. Yeah. And there is going to be some versatility and some different options with this team. How competitive are you expecting a training camp to be for for your spot, particularly with the big men? It's going to be competitive, I think, because um, I think you got a great big man over there. And whoever this selects is going to be the right pick. Um, it's going to be for the right fit for the team. So, yeah, it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be a fun environment. Um, but, yeah, end of the day, everybody's going to have to compete for the spot. And, yeah, it should be fun. Do you, as someone, again, that's been there, do you get stressed out about that? Do you get excited about that? Do you feel pressure walking into the, the training camp? Because, you know, we've spoke before. We know how much it meant to you uh, to, to be a part of that team. So what is your mentality and how much do you think about what could uh, happen here in the next few weeks. Yeah, um, end of the day, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a competition, you know. So um, we need the best team to be on the court, and uh, yeah, so everybody's just gonna go to camp, compete, um, try to play to the best of their ability. And end of the day, yeah, it's about the best fit for the team to uh, help the team win. And whether we get selected, get selected. That's uh, that's a pretty good attitude, I would have to say. Uh, over the next uh, little period here, you spoke about the growth in your game and. You're only 27. You're only entering your prime. Uh, but you played in Australia. You played in China. Now you're in Summer League. What have you learned about your own game from all the different experiences? Because it's been a, a unique path that you've taken. Um, I just think what I've learned to have my friends is that um, I think a hard work just pays off at the end of the day. I think you just keep working on your game and just trust uh, trust the process, really. Um, it's going to pay off. And um, you try to get better every year and uh and every chance that you can get. Um, so I think that's my, um, that's what, that's what I really learned. Just, just keep working and just try to get better at what, at what you need to get better at. Cause there's always something you gotta get better at. And, um, yeah. And I enjoy the process of just getting better at things that I need to get better at. Uh, next week in Vegas, you've got another week there, uh, as we're talking now, what does day to day look like in some league? Because we've been texted and it's, you're playing one game or watching you on TV, then you're in training, then you're in the bus, then you're yeah. back at the hotel. It seems like a pretty. A crazy schedule that you're working through. Yeah, and no, the day be uh be pretty busy. So usually in the mornings we'll have a uh, film, we'll have walk arounds, and then um and then we'll go play the game in the afternoons. Um, then at night you're just doing recovery, try to take care of your body, try to get some dinner, and then the next day is usually um uh we'd wake up, watch film, 
uh, go to practice, and then you come back and you do recovery again just to get ready for the day that you know for the next the next game, which is usually the next day. Um, yeah, so every day is pretty much you're locked in. Uh, now I'm not a gambler, do I? But yeah. there has to be someone on the team. Is there uh, any time for any uh, fun stuff in Vegas? There, or it's just locked in and uh, getting sleep and rest and everything you need to do. Uh, there's definitely time for some um, <laughs> to find some fun. There's always there's always time to find some fun. You got to have some balance. Definitely. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I won't ask any more questions about that. We're not looking to get any <laughs> in trouble here. So, well, uh, you're on fire over there. It's a pleasure to watch you uh, from over here in Australia. We're really excited to get you back over here for training camp in a couple of weeks and uh, hopefully onto the World Cup and uh, maybe another another medal. I think that's what we're all looking forward to. That's the goal. That's the goal.